I've got an important question for you, and I believe it's an important question that everybody needs to answer, and that is this. Who are you to God? Don't speak out loud, but who are you to God? Because you get different responses. Some people, you know, they think they're a slave to God, you know, that they have to do what he says no matter what. So it's kind of a slave mentality. Some people think that they are a servant, just a servant only. Some people think they're a pawn. In other words, they have no choice that just whichever way God wants them to do, whatever he wants them to do, he, it's going to happen. You're just a pawn in a game of life. But who do you think that you are to God? How do you see yourself? You've got to answer that question because the answer is this. You are a child of God. Your family. He's your heavenly father. You're highly favored, blessed by him, and he only thinks great things about you. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Today, I'm going to talk to you about, you know, I, I believe that in our society, that this is a, a tough time for women in general. I, I know people say, well, yeah, it's like that, but uh, I believe... When I was preparing this message today, I, I just know that the Lord uh, really spoke something to my heart, and that is that his people, and I'm going to address, you know, as women, but it's for everybody, okay? So all the men, you're going to be glad you're here too. You know, they think, oh, it's Mother's Day. I should have stayed home. But um, valuing yourself. I'm going to be so bold to say it. Everybody who's watching by line and everybody in here does not value yourself to the degree that God wants you to. I got the same response to the first service. It's okay. <laughs> you need to value yourself more. You need to respect yourself more. I'm going to go as far as to say you need to love yourself more. Amen. This is the problem. Others see you as you see yourself. People see you the way that you see yourself. So, if you are inferior, no matter what your qualifications are, you could be the most education, educated, you could have all kinds of degrees, all kinds of letters behind your name. But if you feel and think that you're inferior, you are. And that's how everybody's going to treat you. There's people who say that nobody respects me. I just, I'm just telling you, you know, who's the comedian that says I get no respect? You know, Roger Rodney. See, I don't even respect him. I can't even say his name. But anyway, um, it, it was a big deal back then. But can I be honest with you? If nobody is respecting you, it's because you don't respect yourself. Wow. You need to learn how to respect yourself. The way that other people see you is going to be the way that people treat you. The Bible puts it this way. As a man thinketh, so is he. The way that you constantly think about yourself is going to be the way that you act it out. 
So if you think constantly that I'm not worthy, I'm, I'm not respectful, I'm not valuable, that is the way that you will act out yourself, act out your life, and that is the way that people will treat you. This is going to, I'm telling you, I believe people are going to be set free today. There are hidden things inside of us that we keep hidden, and they're so cluttered and covered up with life experiences that we don't even know they're there. The good thing is God's going to expose it and take it out so that you can love and respect yourself. It will change your life. It'll change the way that you act. You know, when I was raised in church, you know, there's so many messages that, you know, you need to love. You need to treat people better. You need to, and, and don't think so highly of yourself. And, and, you know, just, you better watch it. You're just full of pride and all of that. So we beat that in the head so much that we've jumped in the ditch on the other side. That we don't respect ourselves at all. We don't love ourselves at all. Or to the degree that God wants you to love yourself. You know, there's a, Matthew chapter 22, the two greatest commandments. Jesus said this. Love God with all of your heart, with all your strength, with all of your mind. The second is like an unto you. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. So, you know, there's people who are not loving people. And, you know, people will say, you just need to get into the love walk. You should memorize 1 Corinthians 13. You need to love. You, you need to, you're not being spiritual. You're not loving people. You need to pray and ask God to help you to love people. I think the root of the problem is you don't love yourself. You can't love people if you don't love yourself. I'll take a bold step and say, that's probably why the bigots and the racists are having such issues. They don't love themselves. So it's real easy not to love other people if you don't love yourself. The good news is, for God so loved the world that he came to save it. But not only that, he's put love inside of you. And it's not just to love other people. Listen to me now. This love is placed inside of you. First of all, you've got to love yourself. You can't love everybody if you, can't, if you don't even love yourself. I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. <laughs> I'm just saying. Melody, my wife, she uh, made a statement a week or so ago, and, um, and I was, she didn't know what I was teaching on today, but she said, you know, she was listening to this preacher uh, on the CD, and he said that something about shame. She said, I didn't totally get it all, but she said something about shame that... Uh, People have compulsive disorders and, and, and just have all kinds of things going on, addictions in their life because of the shame that's been embedded inside of them. So I started researching shame. Started reaching, uh, researching because shame is it's the hidden emotion that literally sabotages people's lives. And they don't even know it. They don't even know it. Shame. If we live in a state of shame, it can cause you to do things that are so compulsive and that you feel like you have no control over. Shame. It's wicked. And it's inside believers. It's inside people. It's inside the world. 
Ladies, I know that because of the, the marketing and the media, you know, that if you don't look a certain way, you know, if, you're, if your measurement is, I'm even afraid to say a measurement because <laughs> if, you're not, if, if you're not there, it's like, oh, I just don't measure up. I'm, the Lord wants you to be so free today. People are shameful because of maybe the way that they look, maybe their lack of their education, maybe because, you know, I, I just i am not worthy. You hear people say, well, I don't deserve that. You see something really nice, and I don't deserve that. Well, who did they make that for, by the way? You know what I mean? I don't deserve a house like that. Oh, who did they build that for? Shame. It's a terrible thing. I've read all these articles, and I'm going to combine them together, but I'll try to give credit. Uh, Megan Bronson, she's got so many letters behind her name. I didn't know that was possible. I'm serious. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight letters behind her name. And I don't know what any of them mean. But anyway, uh, then Mary C. Lamia, Ph.D. in psychology, Anyway, I put all this together, so I'm going to read it to you. Are you ready? Listen real carefully. Shame informs you of an internal state of inadequacy, dishonor, or regret. Feelings of guilt are a message from our moral conscience that we are doing or have done something that violates the code of our inner moral compass. Shame, on the other hand, sends the destructive message aimed at our core self that we ourselves are basically bad, unworthy, and forever flawed. Guilt says a behavior is not okay, while shame says you are innately are not okay. Did you get to understand that guilt and shame, how they're different? You know, if you do something that's wrong, you know, you feel guilty. Shame, on the other hand, that's who you really think you are. It's in your core. It's in your makeup. It's part of your DNA. And it causes you to live and respond a certain way. It's nasty. Let me finish. Listen to this. This is why I said the thing about the bigots and the racists. Listen to this. Attacking others often serves to disown what the shameful person feels. In order to escape shame's self-diminishing effects, expressing contempt toward another person or shaming them relocates one's own shame in the other. So in other words, you got it buried inside of you, so you want to get it out and put it and shame somebody else. Man, that is going on around the world. And the good news is, Jesus came to set the shame free. One of the ways that we can cover, listen to this, I'm still reading the article. One of the ways that we can cover the toxic shame in our lives is to cover it up with compulsive and addictive behaviors. The following list is adapted from John Bradshaw. He said this is, if you got shame buried in it, this could be exposed, and this is why some of the people do what they do. Could be. Are you listening? All right. Alcohol and drug addiction. 
eating disorders, rage addictions, fear, shame and guilt, uh, detailing addiction. You know, it's good to be a person of detail, but then there's people who are addicted to it. Like if anything's out, that their life doesn't function. You, life does not go on. Uh, obsessive, obsessive compulsive disorder. Gambling. Sexual addiction. Being a shopaholic. I know it's Mother's Day. So all the women just chill out. It's okay if you want to go shopping today. Hoarding, being a workaholic, being an extreme exercise person, watching too much TV, video game playing, internet addiction, addiction to your own will. And the problem with all these people who are doing these things, you know what they try to do? I just need to quit that. I just need to stop that. I just need to, oh, I just need to stop it. And, and you know what? They fail. They fail. Why? Because the root of the problem is they have shame intertwined in their core being to the degree that they do things that they don't want to do. I'm telling you, people are going to be set free today, and you, did, you just came to church because it's Mother's Day, or you just started watching online because it's Mother's Day, and God has a whole different plan that he wants to set the captive free. Oh, I'm telling you. Isaiah 53. Man, God loves people so much. He doesn't want you to have any part of shame in your life. Listen to what he did. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men. You think Jesus had to deal with shame? A man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sicknesses and like one with whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he's borne our griefs, sickness, weakness, and distress, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, afflicted by God as if it were leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. Interpret that as shame. He had shame. He became shameful. The chastisement need to obtain peace and well-being for us was put upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Now, we believe in a healing Jesus. By his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, you were healed. We believe that Jesus came so that you can have healing in your physical body. But oftentimes that we overlook the people need to be healed on the inside, in their mind, in their soul. There's a lot of hurting people, man. And so they try to cover up that hurt with, with hatred because they, they just feel like they don't measure up. And so they're so shameful that they spew out this hatred for anybody and everybody. And they are so disrespectful and they know that, well, I don't, nobody's respecting me. Listen to me. It's because you do not respect yourself. If nobody's showing you any love, I just don't get any love. I don't get any love. It's because you don't love yourself. Hmm. 
I, I just feel like nobody values me. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Now, I know this may sound hard, but God wants you to be free today and start valuing. He sent his only begotten son. That's how valuable you are today. You may try to cover it up with alcohol. You may try to cover it up with drugs. You may try to cover it up with porn or whatever addiction. But the bottom line is you are extremely valuable to God in the midst of all of your issues. And the biggest thing is that when you're addicted to this and addicted to that, you think, oh, I'm just worthless. In the eyes of God, you are still the most valuable thing to him in the midst of your addiction. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Woo! That's called good news. And there's plenty of it. In spite of what the world says and is constantly feeding you and what every... Uh, Compulsive disorder is going on in people's lives. Love of God is far greater. And it is greater than any shame. It is greater than any hatred and bigotry and racism. It's greater than anything. And it is changing on this planet and especially in Colorado. Because I declare it so. Psalms chapter 8 verse 3 through 6. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained. I mean, you just look at God's creation. You just think, man, God is so awesome to create so many things and so many people. I mean, Melody and I, we just love in the spring. We sit out in our yard. We see all these beautiful birds and all these. She knows them all. I just know what color they are. But uh, it's just awesome. All of this creation, all these different things. God is so awesome. But listen what your heavenly father says about you. For you have made man a little lower than the angels. The translators, especially the King James guys, they translated that word angels. If you look it up in the strongest concordance, you know what that word is? Elohim. You don't have to be a Hebrew scholar. But Elohim is the word for the Godhead. I believe the translators were trembling when they were getting ready to write that. They said, for you have made him a little lower than... They should have put God. You know, God? Man is a little lower than God? That's what God says. Listen to me now. You should meditate upon that. I have been made a little lower than God. Religious people, they'll just want to throw something at me. But if you want to be set free and know how valuable you truly are, this is how valuable you truly are. You're created a little lower than God himself. To the degree nothing, nothing will be ever created that's been greater than you. Wow. I'll say it again. Nothing will ever be created that will be greater than you. I'm going to say it one more time. Nothing, absolutely nothing will ever be created greater than you. God created this planet for you. He didn't create you first. He created uh, the stars, the plants, the water, the food. Everything that you will ever need was created. Then he created man once everything was created for man. 
Verse 5. You get ready to shout. For you have made him man a little lower than God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. One translation says dignity. You've crowned him with dignity and worth. You've crowned man with dignity and worth. So we have this thing going on in churches and and all around the planet. Well, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. (laughs) God crowned you with worth. And we have people believing and swallowing the lie that I'm just not worthy. And guess how you're going to live then? A unworthy life. Even if you're saved, born again, on your way to heaven, have Christ living on the inside of you, you will live in an unworthy manner. I am so thankful for the truth that's setting people free. He says, I've crowned you with glory and honor. And then verse 6 says, you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. He said, I've crowned man. He's my masterpiece, a little bit lower than God. I've crowned him with dignity and worth. And then not only did I do that, listen to me, he did that so that he can have dominion. So that he can have dominion and put everything underneath your feet. This is where the problem comes in, ladies and gentlemen. Listen real good if you're online. If you do not have value for yourself and dignity and worth, you will never have dominion in your life. So this is a big deal, would you say? You know, when people say, you know, uh, word of faith people, you know, we, we take authority over the devil. We have faith and we live by faith. We have power. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I've given you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I've got power. Only if you believe that you have dignity and worth. Because if you do not believe that you are valuable and have dignity and worth, you're not going to be taking dominion over anything. Why? Because you don't really believe you have it. And guess who else knows? The devil. He can't read your mind, but he can just watch how you live. And how people treat you and how you treat people and realize that you don't value yourself. And if you don't value yourself, he knows that you don't believe that you have dignity and worth. And if you believe that you do not have dignity and worth, he's going to know that. So you won't be able, you know, people say, you know, I tried to take authority over the devil and I tried to have dominion. Possibly, just possibly, it may be because... You don't have any value in yourself. Everybody breathe. It's hard to breathe in you. Y'all sucking the air right out of this room, I'm telling you. Man, this one message can change your life. There's people, I'm telling you, nobody respects me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Is it possible that you don't care about yourself. I'm telling you, God set it up. He set things in order that you can have victory no matter what your circumstances are, including if you think, and I, granted, there's always going to be people that disrespect you and don't like you. I mean, I'm a pastor and there's people who say, well, I really don't like you. 
join a club. I don't care. But anyway, <laughs> you wouldn't be the first one. But this is the problem. If you take that to heart and believe that there's something wrong with you, in reality, I think something's wrong with you. You got a problem. I'm fine. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 says, I am the accepted of God himself. Woo! Wow! So God accepts me. If you don't, I'm going to take his vote. You don't even have a vote. Listen to this. If you don't understand dignity and self-worth, then you're not going to be able to have things underneath your feet where they're supposed to be. As far as God is concerned, that's where they are. But it's what you believe about yourself. Is this powerful or what? We all need dignity. We all need value. We all need worth. We're created in his image. We, we have to have that. And so what does the devil do? What's the world try to do? To take your dignity away from you. To take your worth and cause you to think shame. And it gets so intertwined with you that you don't even know what the problem is. But you, you know that you have these issues. We call them issues and addictions and problems. But the core of it, it possibly could be that you so are shameful and don't think there's any value to your life. Why? How can a guy go and strap bombs himself and blow everybody up? Because he has no value of himself. How can a guy take a gun and go and kill a bunch of people? He doesn't value life. You say, well, he just hates people. He hates himself. Come on now. The truth has set you free. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39.2. This is the story of Joseph. Joseph had brothers who absolutely hated him. You may have some relatives who've hated you, but they didn't probably want to kill you. Hopefully not. These brothers were going to kill Joseph, and they were getting ready to, and one brother said, hey, 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 no, 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 we shouldn't kill him. So they sold him as a slave. We'll get money. It's a good deal. It's a win-win. We kill him, we don't get anything. We sell him, we get money. Split it up. So they sold him as a slave to the Egyptians who took him to Egypt. And a guy named Pharaoh Bought him on the auction block. Now, on the auction block, you know, the slaves would get up on the auction block and they were naked because they wanted the, the buyer wanted to see if he's got, you know, any gross on him or something wrong with him. So if he's naked, you know, he goes, okay, he looks good. I'm going to buy him. At age 17, he was sold into slavery. 17. You got the picture? All right. Verse 2. But the Lord was with Joseph. And though a, what, slave was a successful and prosperous man. Now, you read that and you think, there is something not printed right. <laughs> you read that and you go, he was a slave. And God said, this isn't an opinion, by the way. This is God speaking. This God says, you're a successful and prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. <laughs> this is so good. God says, I know you're a slave, Joseph, but you're prosperous and successful. You need to get a hold of this. 
So that means no matter what's going on in your life circumstances, what where you're at, if you're unemployed, if your spouse left you, if your dog left you, if your children disown you, if nobody loves you, nothing of that determines if you're successful or not. Joseph, a slave, God says, Joseph, are you listening? Yes, sir. I'm calling you successful and prosperous. Now, just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But God just didn't say it. Joseph embraced it, and Joseph believed it. How do we know? For 13 years, from 17 to the age of 30. When he was 30, that's when he took the throne. And he was the second most powerful man on the planet. He was lifted up. But it took 13 years. We don't know exactly how many. I haven't studied out. But at a minimum of two, a little over two years, he was in prison of the 13. So he went from being a slave to being a prisoner. Couldn't you just see that in one of the self-help books section, you know, how to be successful, become a slave, and go to jail? (laughs) Nobody would buy that book. But listen to me. He believed that about himself. How do we know that? Because everything that he did in Potiphar's house prospered. Potiphar saw it. He said, there's something about this guy that whatever he does, it, it, it just explodes and is great. Why? Not just because God said it. Joseph believed that about himself, even though he was a slave. And then he became a prisoner. And the Bible says when he was in prison, he ran the prison. He had the run of the mill. He had the keys. He, he, he just took... Go ask Joseph. I, what can we do? We got it. People were happy in prison because of Joseph. He changed the atmosphere. How can you do that? I'm just a prisoner, you know. I don't have any worth. I'm just a prisoner. No, he knew. I'm in prison, but I am successful and prosperous. He owned nothing. When he was sold as a slave, he didn't even have any clothes. He was naked. And yet, we have all kinds of stuff, and we say, I'm just worthless. I just don't deserve anything, and I'm just, you just don't know the trouble I've been. I'm not trying to make light of your trouble. I'm trying to get you to see what God sees in you. You want to change your life? It starts between your ears. Ladies, if you want to lose weight, that's fine. But if you want to lose weight so you think you can be somebody, you're going to lose the weight and you're going to look in the mirror and see the same person. You are valuable to God. Like Joseph was a slave, like Joseph was a prisoner, he knew, he knew. Didn't matter what everybody else thought. They, you know, Potiphar and everybody says, you're a slave. Joseph said, that's what you see. What I see is success and prosperity is all in my DNA. What you, if I'm a, a slave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. 
how prosperous and successful I am. You throw me in prison, I'm going to show you how successful and prosperous I am. Come on, man, is that, that is just so, why? Why? It's not just a great story in the Bible. It's because Joseph believed it. And it happened. It took 13 years, but from the time he was sold, one day he came out of prison, and the wisdom of God flowed through him. And the Pharaoh said, gave him his ring and said, whatever Joseph says, you do it. He became the most powerful man on the whole entire planet. That's when all the Christians would have said, I'm successful. I'm prosperous. We're waiting for that. And when that happens, then we'll say it. You're going to be waiting a long time. Probably never happened because you're waiting. Joseph never waited. That's the difference between him and most Christians. He believed it, lived it, and he experienced it. You remember when we started? We started by saying people respect you and value you based upon if you respect yourself and you value yourself. Obviously, Joseph did because people respected him. Who gives the guy in prison the keys? That wouldn't be too smart. Canyon City's full of prisons, man. You can imagine when the guy says, and the guy goes, Here, here's the keys. <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> they did to Joseph. You have the run of the mill. You can do that. Why? Because that's what he, he acted that way, and he acted that way because he thought that way. And this is the problem. You know, people think that, you know, I, I would just love, if I knew I could do right and be right, I, I know I would be valuable then. And this is our problem. None of us, including myself, always act right and do the right thing. I know some it's a shock. Maybe not. But this is the problem. There's only one person, Jesus, who fulfilled the greatness, who did everything right, who was the most valuable thing that ever has been, is Jesus. Would everybody agree with that? The most perfect, valuable thing is Jesus himself. And here's man, the failure, the addictions, the shame, everything. That Jesus was not. And so we think, I, I, I need to measure up so I, I can, he can accept me and I can be worthy enough for him to be, to accept me. And that's been the whole problem of the church. You'll never be able to be worthy enough to be accepted. So Jesus and God made a covenant between the two of them. You realize the covenant's not even between us. It's between God and Jesus. God says, you obey my voice and you do everything and all the blessings, all the promises will be yes and amen. So how does man fit into the picture? If I could just do what he did, if I could just be the man that he wants me to be, God knew that you couldn't. Ladies, God knew that you couldn't be the woman, the perfect woman. So this is what he did. He knew that. So what he did was he says, I give you my son. And so when you believe in him, I put on worthiness. I 
put on righteousness. I put on value. A value that I can never do to attain it. A value that could never be purchased. Could never be. My actions could never equate to the dignity and worth that would be able to obtain this. And that's why it's called grace. He freely gives it to whosoever will. He gives it to you today. He gives it to people who are watching today. You'll never be able to get it. And you always strive. And because of that, you live in a life of shame. And you're always going to have issues. And people are all around the world screaming, Why, God? Why don't you help me? Why? I, I, I just have this. Why can't I kick this habit? Why can't? Why? Why? Until you see that you are valuable to him, that he's crowned you with dignity and honor. The most valuable creation is you. And you think you're worthless. That's why it was so prominent phrase that was adapted by the church. I'm just a sinner. Now listen to me. If you are incorporating that you are just a sinner, we just established that your belief system, your thinking system is going to cause your actions. Why do you think the devil, he's the one who probably came up with that phrase. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a worm. Just a sinner saved by grace. Before you were saved, yes. After you were saved, but we still embrace that. I'm just a sinner. So we have people who just believe that they're a sinner, that they're worthless. I'm just worthless. I don't measure up. I'm not valuable. I don't, I, I don't mean that much. You are going to live that out and blame God. While all along God says, I've crowned you. There is a crown on top of you with dignity and honor. And I value more than anything on the planet. I value you. I value you. Are you going to value yourself today? That's the question. Are you going to value yourself? You need to start changing the way that you think. I know. You say, well, people could take this, Pastor, and, man, they could just think, uh, you know, that they're high and mighty and everything. It's possible. I think we're far from that, though. I think you need to think that you're high and mighty, that you're above and not beneath. Whatever Deuteronomy promised, whatever I set my hand to shall surely prosper. He's made me the head and not the tail. This is old covenant, by the way. He's made me the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Whatever I set my hand to shall surely prosper. I'm surrounded with favor as with a shield. I am surrounded with favor as a shield. You can throw me in prison. You can put me in the darkest hole that you can find. But inside, I know that a king dwells in my habitation. I have been made. I couldn't become it. You know, royalty, you have to marry into it. You can't become royalty. In the spiritual realm, we don't become royalty by doing something. We become royalty with family. When you become into the family of God, you become royalty. The Bible says you become a king and a priest. A king means you are a ruler. A priest means you have direct connection with God himself. There's nothing in between you and him. 
nothing in between me and God. He's made us kings and priests, and we're living like peasants and worthless worms and, and, and wondering why the world is in the shape that it's in. Blaming God. Greatest Mother's Day message ever. Are you receiving it? This is what you need to do. You need to start thinking that way. Renew, Romans chapter 12, it says, renew your mind. How are you going to do that? You're going to renew your mind by thinking of the way God wants you to think. Loving yourself so you can love other people. Honey, if you, got a, if you have a problem loving everybody, if everybody irritates you, if the whole world stinks, you may be the smelly one. The truth will set you free if you embrace it. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to help you. And if you start renewing your mind to the degree that I believe my father loves me unconditionally. You do realize that he loves you unconditionally. That you always meet the measurement because of the value. All right? So you start embracing that. Ephesians 1.6. I've been accepted by God himself. No matter what anybody thinks about me. If you think nobody loves you, you need to start loving yourself. Start looking in the mirror and saying, I love that guy. He's awesome. I know this, this, some of my religious friends, they're going to think, Mike has lost it. But I've been thinking this way for a few weeks now. Every day, I am successful. I am special. <laughs> I am, I'm the most awesome person that I know. Some of you just, <laughs> it's okay. I'm talking to myself, talking to myself, and I'm believing it. Joseph believed it. He was successful and prosperous. I am the most prosperous person. I'm the most successful person. I am, Muhammad Ali has nothing on me. He said, I'm the greatest. And guess what he did? One of the greatest boxers of all time. And what was coming out of his mouth? Besides, I float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. The greatest thing that ever came out of his mouth. I'm the greatest. Guess what? He believed that. Everybody, I mean, I was in Louisville, Kentucky. People just were, I mean, he's so prideful. He's so this. And he's so great. He smacked everybody. <laughs> and he would play with people. And everybody go, look at him. He's so disgusting. Everybody was saying that about him, but he believed. He believed. See, it doesn't matter what everybody else says about you. It doesn't matter what everybody believes about you. It's what you say about you. It's what you believe about you. So change the way that you believe and start speaking it out of your mouth. Now, don't get weird on us and somebody goes, oh, how are you doing? I'm the greatest person ever lived. Your friendship count will go way down, all right? But I meditate upon these things. Why? Because that's, it will cause the way that I live to change. My actions will be mirroring that. And if you think you're scum, you're going to live like scum. If you think that you're unworthy, you're go, your actions are going to... You know, it's, it's a shame. 
But do people respect the guy who lives underneath the bridge? Let's be honest. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but in general, do people do? No, and why? Because the man under the bridge has zero respect for himself, has zero love for himself, and doesn't have any value or sense of worth to himself. If you could get a hold of that guy, bring him to this church and cause his mind to be renewed. He'll get a sense of value and worth and dignity that God has crowned him with to change the way that he thinks so that he can change the way that he lives. That's called the gospel. Let's stand.